Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, and that just so happens to be my real name, Ramses Ja. What's up? Everything in the world, man. Um, yeah, man. I've been waiting on this one. We been waiting on this. We've been waiting on this one. I mean, y'all like, y'all like, <laughs> it's like on time with everything, and then he jumped in, and I was like, I'm here too. <laughs> Speaking of which, man, the man of the hour. The 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 man who has decided to come off of the mountain of greatness, Delta Kai, and and join us. Uh, he goes by the name of Freshmaker, DJ Freshmaker. Yes, uh, and one of my favorite people in the world. I got to get him a more than just a DJ shirt, oh. though. Because the resume is extensive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna let That's him. That's a great idea. I'm gonna let him lay it all That's out. That's a great idea. Um, but affectionately, we call him Fresh, and uh, just a pillar in the community, black community especially. Um, uh, way more than an entertainer. Um, and so my hope, our hope, is that he will join us from time to time on the show, just to kind of keep us abreast of things that are going on. But Today it was meaningful for us to to discuss the the concept behind the brainchild behind the hashtag circulate the bag, um, and so and we're gonna get to that in just a second. But you know, fresh, I need you to I need you to introduce yourself to the people who might not be. I, I don't know who wouldn't know who you are. Let's assume <laughs> it's gonna be a very very niche group of people. Let's assume that some folks just. Uh well I I go by the name of Freshmaker uh government is Jason Emmanuel godparents names Jay and Sandra um Jay meaning Jaybird Sandra meaning caretaker so I always envision myself as somebody that flied over and took care of people word um but um I mean I, I love music and so it, it, it my father actually was a DJ and I didn't know it until I actually was deep into DJing. So it was kind of in the blood. But um, what was also in the blood was just, you know, looking out for folks, especially when in a position of uh, power or privilege. And I feel like um, whenever you put yourself into a um, economically agile position, uh, it's your, you know, it's your privilege and your priority to try and put other people into the same position. So um, naturally, once I was able to catch a foothold into the entertainment world and be able to sustain myself uh, financially, I wanted to branch out and create, you know, my own mini economy. And in doing so, I would create jobs or invest into uh, other black businesses that maybe didn't have the capital. And so from that, um, I've been able to develop uh, barbershops and salons and tax offices in the Phoenix metro area. Um, and it, you know, supplied other people with jobs or the insight to be able to open their own. After uh, doing so, I, I found myself not really you know, feeling a whole lot of uh, fulfillment or purpose. And I was looking for something to be a part of. And uh, I ran into what's called the Archwood Exchange. And it was just basically a black business expo where there were smaller black businesses that were all in one space. And I, I met a great group of people, 
uh, that's a part of the Phoenix Local Organizing Committee. And I kind of just stayed there and didn't want to leave. And so they allowed me to uh, become a part of their group. They welcomed me in with open arms and uh, basically serving the community through being able to tell people about black businesses and be a part of them and to intentionally buy from them has been kind of a purpose of mine. And and that's exactly why um, it was meaningful for you to come up here today. Now, I want to I want to paint a little bit more of a picture because I think it's important that we kind of lean into this part of the conversation mm-hmm. while we're here. Um, so you are a DJ mm-hmm. um, at, at many nightclubs in the city. But as Q mentioned, that is a very limited view or description of who you are. Yeah. Um and I think that along with DJ event host is um, a- another uh, tool in your tool belt mm-hmm. because a lot of folks might just know you for just keeping a party live and keeping the club moving. Um, and there's a huge part of, at least in the city where we live in Phoenix, um, the black community, because it's a very small community in this city. Mm-hmm. Um huge part of it that goes through your your events wherever they may be right um so there's a lots of people who have maybe seen you on a microphone don't know that you dj or maybe seen you dj and don't know that you're on the mic but also as you stated you're a businessman i know you to be a um entrepreneur uh i know you to be a an activist I know you to be a um what's the word I'm thinking philanthropist yes that's the word I was gonna say that thank you brother I'm glad we all aligned oh no 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't (laughs) we gotta talk about that that's what I was looking for um uh among other things um and just uh a presence um and and I think it's important to mention all those things because when we talk about these fiscal based initiatives, um, it's important to know that a person like you who has achieved a degree of fiscal success or independence, for you to come back and, and try to empower people who have not reached that, that place, not by handing out money. Right. But by teaching and by leading by example and by uh, uh, championing a philosophy um, that is based around unity, black empowerment, which is very important, mm-hmm. um, and an independence that is something that a lot of people who've achieved the type of success that you've achieved, they never come back and do it, innovate. Do they don't do it that way. They might give their cousin, you know, $10,000 to start a car wash or something mm-hmm. like that. But in terms of like really, um, like I said, championing a new philosophy, um, I think it, it makes, it gives a gravity to this conversation mm-hmm. that I think is very important. And, and, and I think that 
you know, there's a hundred reasons that, you know, you belong on that microphone on this show, sharing your vision with these cities. Um, but uh, for people to know exactly who you are and where you come from, I think that, again, it gives it a little bit more gravity. So with that said, I want you to talk more about um, Circulate the Bag. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a bunch of different places that you can start, but I feel like... Um, well, let's start here. Let's start with... Where did, where did the idea come from? I, I know it to be a hashtag mm-hmm. and a concept, but where did that... Where was that born? I would say the the anger of our communities um uh addiction to consumerism speak on it and um the anger at not uh, being taught the uh the historical lesson of black wall street in school so you notice that there's a lot of things like once you're an adult you're like damn y'all didn't tell me that and or you have to relearn something or a story was told to you as a child in order for you to be able to grasp it or to keep your innocence right so obviously the story of black wall street is just it's 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 a beautiful story until of course the massacre and then it's just like something that you wouldn't want to have to tell a child but not being taught that uh in grade school and then learning about it you know as an adult after 30 you're like the idea comes along that it has always been possible for us to be together and to focus solely on passing each other the ball and scoring i feel as far as just a couple of parallels or comparisons when it comes to our community and spending money oftentimes we if if spending money is like being in a basketball game we get the ball and we barely dribble past half court before we pass it to another community. Yeah. You know, so like we never pass the ball to ourselves in order for us to score and then cut another community off as if to say, hey, we have something for you to buy. Buy it from us. Get the get the ball again and then score again and scoring, meaning like reinvesting back into our community. Sure, right. Sure. So um that and then one more parallel would be um like base basically in hunter gatherer days right you would have a tribe that would follow um their food source right wherever the herd went i feel like often as black people we are the food source for a lot of other communities they basically follow to where we are set up shop and hunt us through gouging us for dollars so i feel like culture exactly so i feel like if we were our own hunter if we were our own uh offense and defense you know um we would be able to put ourselves in a position to where we could fortify and uplift basically continuously reinvest um obviously through uh our love for consumerism and our lack of wealth knowledge or just having wealth sometimes you have to incrementally go through the mistakes of having wealth for the first time and so i feel like uh many of us have had that experience or watched somebody have that experience Mm -hmm. so since we've gone through that 
then the only other thing to do instead of continuously making the same mistake is to spend money with one another intentionally with the intent that it will build us up to where we are not so reliant elsewhere because we really basically obviously in this country we're going to have to leverage you know our power we don't have power to leverage unless we're constantly making each other stronger and you can't make each other stronger unless you invest in one another so that's the reason that i I preach circulating the bag like continuously intentionally spend money with black owned businesses even if it may be less convenient because a black business may not have the infrastructure as another business will because historically you have less so the biggest there, there are two factors in it that are, are, are really big. One is the intent to seek out, you know, a product from a black owned business. If there's something that you want, see if somebody black has it, buy it from them. If it takes you two weeks to get it as opposed to one week from Macy's, so be it. You know, you, you kept another business alive for another transaction. Mm-hmm. And the second part is the experience that you have Uh, From that business, whether it be good or bad, you must say that to that business. You have to give them their review, whether it be personal or whether it be public. It's very important if we're going to act as if each other is family, even in business, we have to treat each other as family. Whereas we would say honestly, because honesty is love, we would say to our family, I didn't like this about this transaction or I didn't like this about this product. What you do is you offer a reality check to that business to not necessarily have a misconception about how they are perceived and how they actually are doing business. And it allows for us to level up as far as customer service and customer retention. So it's not only a responsibility on uh, the business to serve But because we are a family working together, it's a responsibility on the consumer to report. Absolutely. Okay. Um, You know what I like about it, though, is there is intention behind the philosophy. In other words, it's it's simple to say, okay, we're going to support black owned businesses. Here's a, a cool, you know, hashtag or here's a cool way of saying it, circulate the bag and leave it there. But I like the second part where you say, okay, no matter what, positive or negative, we're going to give back feedback so that we can actually grow and learn. And I think the education um, and the experience that we're able to draw from um, enriches the businesses um, in a in a parallel capacity. Yeah. And, and so it's not just fiscal it's also um uh educational Mm -hmm. and that's something that you know a place like macy's if if Mm -hmm. we're going to use that example they have a wealth of transactions to draw from they have buying power they have you know uh, marketing uh, dollars exactly etc so a smaller business um the way that they're going to you know keep the fight um and to survive is with information about their customers what their customer base likes and then super serve their customers until they get to the point where they are a macy's or until they get to the point where they are a you know walmart or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and uh can play an an 
on equal footing. But even then, I, I think it might still be necessary to support black businesses, not just financially, but also with your feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any any t- any chance there's an opportunity to teach somebody, <clears throat> pull someone aside, you know, whatever the case is, or just just to support somebody. I think that's important. And while we're on the, the subject of support, I know I'm going to switch gears here. I'm so sorry, Q. I'm sorry, Fresh. <laughs> I'm going to switch gears here. Please do yourself a favor. You know, I tell you to follow me. I tell you to follow Q every week. Follow Freshmaker's uh, social media. Um, it's at the the DJ Freshmaker. Put a post up and while we're talking about supporting. And um, I, I forget what the post was, but it was, it was, I think the police were involved with somebody and mm. uh, there was a man kind of just filming the, the encounter with the police. Mm-hmm. The police were like, hey, um, why are you filming us? There's nothing going on here. And the guy's like, man, I'm just minding my business i'm filming it i don't know who that is but he's black and i'm black and we don't know you so we're just going to film this exactly um, film this just to make sure everything's on the up and up and then the police took issue with it you know the whole thing devolved and then ultimately the police unhandcuffed the guy let him go on about his business and Mm -hmm. then you know i was right with the world but it was the 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 intent the intention there which was to just look i don't know you but i see that you're black and i recognize that this is a uh, this could potentially be a life and death situation so i'm going to stay here mm-hmm. and watch you and i had a similar experience and i didn't get a chance to tell you about it but i want to tell you about it um on the air so that people understand that supporting black businesses goes it, it there's many levels to it it's mm-hmm. not just spend your dollars right or come turn up at the club or you know whatever it is that you think is you know supporting it it's, it's a way of life yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. that's a great way to say it um this happened to me the other day walking with my son at uh it was a shopping plaza Mm -hmm. um and uh i see a security guard pull up on a golf cart in front of a a black man he's an older guy beard you know the whole thing he had a couple of backpacks with him Mm -hmm. and i as i'm walking and it's a small corridor that i'm walking through so it's just a security guard and this man and then me and my six-year-old um and I'm overhearing the conversation because there's no one else around. And he's like, um, he's like, the guy's like, why are you bothering me, man? I, I just left the store. Mm-hmm. I spent $15 in the store and I'm sitting here and I'm eating. Right now, um, the guy didn't look. It, it, he looked like a normal man. He just happened to have two backpacks and a beard. Right. Right. But I think that what happened is there's probably a Karen or a Kevin that saw him with two backpacks it's probably like oh this guy's probably homeless he's um transient you know whatever the case is let me call the police on him or let me call the authorities on him or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is so i hear these guys talking and then um you know at at first it didn't register so i walked into the store where i was going and i thought to myself i'm like wait a minute i should probably go back out there because even though I know that obviously there's no this guy's just sitting in a golf cart he's not engaging there's nothing going on like that I should probably go out there and make sure that they're okay walk back outside sorry story's taking so long but trust me there's a way to support black people walk outside the guy's still in his golf cart the man's on the other side of him so I'm behind the golf cart the guard is looking away from me toward the man um, and I put my my thumb up like this so so as to ask like you doing okay like you, you got it here and the guy looks at me and he's like, uh, you know, I, 
I, I don't know what the thumbs up means. And now the security guard turns around and looks at me. And so now, I, you know, I'm here now, so I'm going to just say it like it is. You see me. Listen, man, I see you over there. I know you're sitting there eating your food. I overheard you say you spent money, and my understanding is that you're getting harassed mm-hmm. for sitting here enjoying your food in the shade. Facts. Um, so I'm just here to make sure that you're okay. And if mm-hmm. you're not okay, I'm here to be your support. Right. And um, changing the narrative and framing the security guard as the aggressor mm-hmm. in that situation, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times uh, non-black folks will see black skin as being criminal, aggressive, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's important that I took the time to do that because um, once I got involved, the officer then directed his line of inquiry toward me. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm great at handling. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, a uh, quick story I wanted to share. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's lots more ways to support black people and there's lots of levels to it. But don't ignore the fiscal component. And I, I feel like I should take a moment yeah. to say that if you like what you hear on Civic Cipher, you can support the show. You can go to civiccipher.com. There's plenty of ways for you to donate and keep the show on the air. Um, we love to hear uh, from you. And, of course, um, we can uh, circulate the bag in this direction. As Absolutely. Well so we can provide a forum to discuss things like this. So um, I think real quick, go ahead. In, in that situation, what we can take from that is, the like, again, the parallel of like being in the wilderness like or just being in your home. Mm-hmm. If we say to ourselves that our community is our home, and normally those whom police us don't live in our home. Sure. If they are harassing somebody in our home, it is almost our obligation to just double check. Exactly. Because you're in my home. This is my community. You don't live here. You just work here. So you're not going to really care what happens to this person. You could put this person in you know, jail for a couple of nights and they have another bad experience that compounds onto that. It's... It's too bad that I have to think about that, but you certainly don't. There you go. So technically you're in my family's house acting up. I got to make sure you don't get too crazy. Let them know. So you and I were talking about that uh, not too long ago. Um, We're talking about the Panthers um, and the way the Panthers, the black Panthers originally uh, their original um, call to action was to police the The police police. Mm -hmm. Um, because um, police brutality is I think Will Smith said it bad it's not new Um, it's It's not getting worse it's getting filmed yeah Mm -hmm. so um, you know this historically has been a problem in uh, for black and brown folks Um, but um, yeah it's it's always uh, there's there's always like you said it's a philosophy a lifestyle when it Mm -hmm. comes to supporting black people now um I do want to ask the question just because I feel like there's a lot of folks who are allies, Mm -hmm. white allies, Mm -hmm. brown allies, native, Asian, uh, Muslim, uh, you know, uh, 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 allies of black people, fans of black culture, but also allies. They're there when when the going gets tough Mm -hmm. and those people might not really have all of the details they might hear okay we should support black businesses but not know the why and i so that's something that i think that you can expound upon why is black commerce important to the black community well not only important to the black community but important to 
America and the utopia that it tells itself that it is. Very good. So, um, you and that that utopia never can actually really exist unless you have uh, equity, equality, uh, and a a narrowing of the racial wealth gap. Right. So, um, if you understand your racial wealth wealth gap is based primarily on slave labor and Jim Crow and financially castrating uh, black people over maybe 150 years after slavery is, you know, abolished, right? If you understand that that privilege is there because of that, then as a moral country, you would say to yourself, well, I need to, I need to do something about that because I'm in a position of power. However, the question becomes what do you want more a a equal utopia or your privilege mm-hmm. right so if you if you want your and this is where the rubber meets the road really mm-hmm. if you want your privilege more it will show because there's only a couple of questions that need to be asked and it's like oh okay so you like shaking my hand you like hugging me um and all these other things but if we were to have the same opportunity it would become more more warlike to you and so it's a moral failing right so um the importance of uh supporting black business brings you closer to that utopia it brings you closer to the opportunity of black people being able to uh, operate not only with the freedom to be in their uh, uh, communities, but the liberty to grow outside of them. Right. So right now, like black people, basically, if they stay within the bounds of certain economics, um, they're not necessarily questioned. I saw a great, great video by a young lady who said she just recently bought a Porsche Cayenne. And uh, did you guys see that? No, no, we actually. <laughs> Somebody got a Porsche. We had we had a similar experience purchasing the same vehicle, so that that's okay. like a trigger. So I'll tell the, you about it. The young lady she she bought this car, but she noticed that in her interactions with white people, um, it was often, "How do you have that? Or what did you do to get that?" And she said to herself, "This is why." supporting black business is so important because you want to get you need to get used to living um and thriving instead of just living and surviving right so when you live and survive you expect to have the bare minimum so when you work to get above it and people question you about it you dumb it down because you don't really want to deal with the interrogation but what that is what that really is and i i have to battle this within myself it is your own anti-blackness you are dumbing yourself down for the safety of somebody else's white fragility Mm. so what you have to do is own it not code switch and just be yourself in the moment like yeah i got this car i work hard anything else 
We'll, we'll take that out. And, and oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 and keep it moving, you know. And, but be unashamed. Sure. Sure. Um, and so that that's another thing that's important about it because if you get into a position of thriving, you need to be used to thriving. So then you pass on that energy of thriving to either your seed, your neighbor your friends, whatever. It's customary for you to thrive. And when somebody asks you how you're thriving, only because you don't look like them, you rightfully take insult. And when you rightfully take insult, you are having a teaching moment with them because they're like, oh, I wouldn't have asked anybody that looked like me that question. That was a little supremacist of me, wasn't it? Yes, it was. But it's important for you to know the lesson that you have that in your blood. It's inherent, just like I have anti-blackness in mine. And so the more that you can be in the same space, understanding like we're going to be different, you're going to feel some different things and you're going to need to let me know whether you can deal with that or not, because I'm not changing. I'm only going to grow. Um, but. Uh, that was a little bit long but back to uh black and brown allies um that need to know the importance of it um just just the history of it just the realness of it um prior to 1965 uh there's pretty much only white and black people in the country right um and from a political perspective especially yeah yeah and so Um, Civil Rights Act of 64 allows us to um, basically be treated more human, right? But again, (laughs) more human, right? Like closer, closer to human, not not full human, not not equal. But you know, let's let's move just a little bit. Them more like people, right? So what that is is black ascension and normally black ascension leads to, um, you know, some people feeling not so comfortable about it because it means you are going to be closer to me in this socioeconomic totem pole. Um, So and it's it's my theory and the theory of my mentors that um, there was never a. Uh, immigration act to bring anybody else or allow anybody else in this country until after that happened so basically when black people begin to ascend you need a buffer class that's going to keep a a form of segregation so now um, civil rights act 64 immigration act 65 and now you have Anybody Now, all your immigration acts before in 1917, 1924, were only for European countries. Only. Not until 65 is it like, okay, everybody can come. And for me, to me, what that looks like is you're getting close to me. I don't like that. So, and I, could, I, I wouldn't dare put it past, you know, politicians that enjoyed a time of Jim Crow to think of doing something like that because if you think about it um anyone who's coming from a country that dreams of being in the united states when they get here 
this is this is like a a form of heaven, this right? Is utopia, right? Exactly. They made it. This is it, right? But to me, this is a land of demons. So how, how dare you? Right. Right. So for so then you can create the the straw man like why aren't you doing as well as everybody else that comes here well everybody else that comes here you know bless them this is like heaven to them and for me i'm waiting in line for my my debt not only that but i'm also trying to survive the onslaught that comes from being threatened by my own ascension so we're fighting on multiple fronts your your ascension is going to be very incremental um so the reason that it's important to pay attention to black business because of that is to understand that um black people are fighting a war on multiple fronts and oftentimes uh those who who have come from other countries are going to be more likely to assimilate and be totally okay with that and that's fine not only they're they're going to be able to assimilate to american culture but they will have the liberty to preserve their own whereas for us um our own culture is a threat unless it is palatable and able to be uh you're able to make money off exploited, of it. Yeah, exploited. Yeah, exploited. Market it so, and exploit. Right. So if somebody else is able to make money off of it and we're not because if we do then we reinvest and become more powerful, then it's okay. I think that there's something to be said about that. Um now, the example that you gave uh, so Q and I have been been friends for a long time and and Q always tells me about Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Detroit, there's a lot of black folks in Detroit. Motown. Mm-hmm. I know you're from Chicago, too. Yes. So um, Chicago is, a, is another city with a huge black population. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in southwest California and Arizona. Mm-hmm. So there are certainly black communities, but um, in terms of like a Detroit where it's a significant amount of the population, that it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know... What was what was life like in Detroit when you're from Seven Mile? You know, so so what's that like as far as black businesses and black entrepreneurship and so forth? Because I think that might kind of, at least for black folks, be a bit of a utopia. So first of all, it was a fantastic experience. Except I didn't realize it was a unique experience, Mm -hmm. right? So the gift and the curse was that. The preparation to go out into a world where black people aren't attorneys and doctors and business owners and the pillars of the community was strange. You know, my first racist interaction, I was essentially an adult. I was, well, 17 years old in college for the first time that somebody who didn't look like me looked at me like I was strange and looked down on me. And not in a way where they felt sorry, but in a way where they felt I was beneath them. And, you know, that may be a story for another time, but you have to know, like my older brother, all of his friends owned all of the businesses in our neighborhood, the barbershop, the beauty salon, the beauty supply store, the record store, the the liquor store, 
even the national franchises. My brother went to high school with the people that owned them. So the KFC, the churches, the Little Caesars, mm. whatever it was, those people, you know, I could call them by name when I stepped into their establishment. And, you know, and as my brother's little brother, be treated like I was family. So all of my teachers, all of my classmates looked like me. And that was the experience growing up in Detroit, Michigan. It wasn't until I left Detroit, went to college in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, my first day on campus with students there because I played football. So we were there a few months before everybody else arrived. But when the student body arrived, I remember getting on the shuttle to ride from the stadium back to the quad. And a group of young ladies got on the shuttle and there were four of them and there were four seats left. And one of them was next to me. And one of them decided she'd rather stand than have to sit next to me. Mm. And one of her friends was kind of ashamed that she reacted that way. So she sat next to me, like taking one for the team. Mm. And the rest of the girls treated her like she was taking one for the team for having to sit by me. And the coolest thing that happened is that she didn't care. She wasn't embarrassed on their behalf. She didn't try to feed into what they were doing and act like she felt the same way. She looked me right in my face, told me that they were stupid. And she was legitimately upset that they were behaving the way that they were. Mm. Um, but caught off guard by that, I didn't even realize that I was supposed to be angry in response. Right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I didn't have any built up animosity for that treatment or that experience because I had never been through it. The funny thing is the first time I went back home after that, and I I remember this because it was a Martin Luther King day Mm. and I was home and I got pulled over for looking at a white police officer. Pulled over, pulled out the car, face on the hood, in handcuffs, put in the back of his car. The crime was looking at him? Oh, of course. (laughs) <laughs> no, now he didn't cool. say this no. But I know this because I was driving down Woodward Avenue, shout out Detroit I looked at him He got in his car Busted U-turn, pulled me over And everything I just described to you happened And then of course, you know Put my name into his computer so I had no warrants No arrests, no priors Let me out of the handcuffs Out of the backseat of his car and back into my car You know, have a good day But that happening on MLK Day in Detroit you know, I'm, I'm I'm 18 now, and this was so foreign to be going through something like that for absolutely no reason. And I've had, sadly, plenty of experiences like that since then. But, you know, you, you started off asking me about childhood. I grew up in a city that was all black as far as I was concerned. And maybe it was the high 80 percent, maybe it was 90 percent, but all black because that's all I ever saw. So I want to I want to jump in here because. uh Speaking of the the Porsche that Q bought, <laughs> it's an interesting show we're doing. Go ahead, Q. Okay. <laughs> um, so there's a story behind that. You got it from a black salesman. We went to uh, Florida to pick that up. We went we went to go buy the car there and drive it back. And mm-hmm. I he asked me to say, hey, you want to go on a road trip? I'm like, sure, let's do it. When got the car, we went to um, after leaving Florida. We went to Atlanta, and I had never been to Atlanta before. Mm. And, you know, the example that you gave where, you know, people are so wowed by black people who have accomplished something and how that shouldn't be normal. That should be common. Um, And you have to kind of deal with your own Mm anti-blackness in moments like that. Um, 
And I'm glad you said it that way because I've lived through that myself. Q knows uh, full well. We went to uh, his cousin's house. Um, and house is not the right word. <laughs> word. It's not the right word. That was a. There was not a single house in that neighborhood. No, no. Those, those were mansions. Gotcha. Modified. Gotcha. Um, and. You know, they, the houses might get built a little bigger on that side of the, the country or mm-hmm. in that particular city or whatever. Maybe it's the construction, maybe whatever. But the cars don't lie. True. So if it's Ferraris and, you know, if I just think it's a big, no, those are bona fide mansions. Gotcha. Um, you know, there's, and, and everybody had nice car. Every house was gorgeous. Everything was beautiful. Yeah. The Porsche didn't stand out no, at no, all. No, no, not at all. And and it was like, well, just park it on the street. Like, it's fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was there. Right, but, right. Um, so for me, it was very, very much eye-opening, mm-hmm. especially when he told me. What a kicker. Tell me, tell me what he told me, Q. Every one of his neighbors is black. Never seen anything like it. No. And I mean, it's a subdivision. Every house. He said 100%. In the entire neighborhood. The people look like us. And so in a place like that where mm. obviously there's um, because of the, the population, mm-hmm. you know, there's a significant amount of money that moves from black hands to black businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've been able to have a glimpse, so to speak, into what that what the long term effects of the circulate the bag philosophy. Yeah, man. Looks like ATO mm-hmm. different. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's not the only place. Um, we ended up going to Dallas on that same road trip. Mm. And yes, we went to, love Dallas. Um, he is, I think, your frat brother. Yes, yeah. Um, what's his name? I want to say his name, Jared, and and your cousin's name too, Joey. Joey, okay, Joey and Jared. Um, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of both of them. I, I got a chance to tell Joey, um, but Jared's house was not a house either. <laughs> um, and the difference in Dallas was that he said something similar, but it wasn't the same. He said um, about in his subdivision, again, all mansions, all nice cars. Um, he said, I think 60%, 70% of it. It was, a, it was a, a lot more diverse. Yeah, but, but it definitely wasn't was an all black. white community. Yeah, it was it was a most majority black community, but then there were Asian folks and there was like uh, East Indian doctors and you know this and that and the third. Um, so again, uh, you know, and, and I think that what we what we would all like is just something that reflects the population mm-hmm. in the way the population is distributed. You know, something that you know, if let's say there's fifteen percent. Uh, black people just to pick a nice round number mm-hmm. 15% uh hispanic people and and so forth and so on that the amount of mansions would reflect those numbers right, as well right. um or mansion ownership um and that utopia i don't think it's it's too far off and it's too far to 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 it's too difficult for us to get there i think that's something that we absolutely can do i want to go ahead. i want to ask fresh before we moved on i didn't know if you were going to pivot or not and I want to use sports as a metaphor again because you did that earlier, and a lot of people have a an easier time processing or digesting. Real, real what quick, we're if, go. if I could, um, the beautiful thing about those neighborhoods, if we're able to continuously replicate, is 
again, people get used to thriving, right? But those are tax dollars that are put into the schools yeah, that are neighborhoods that yeah. predominantly black children go to and they get used to being in schools where it's like yeah i'm supposed to have the latest and greatest in technology yeah, that confidence and the latest the books of your life too and i may not feel the urge to have to go to a prestigious pwi unless it serves what i want as a passion I may not need to go elsewhere. I may really just want to solidify where I am or another community that's like it. Um, A lot of times, because we are in our neighborhoods and they may have some energy that we want to get away from, we practice escapism Mm. through either going to the suburbs or going to a PWI. And then we get a little bit further away from what it is that made us what we are. All right. I I don't know everything. I'm just doing the best that I can. <laughs> so I'm going to ask this question. PWI. Predominantly white, white institution. institution. Okay. Thank you. As I figured it was something like that when you mentioned yeah, yeah. that as an alternative to <laughs> right, you know, right. schooling or whatever. But just want to make sure. And that's why we got to celebrate. You know, we can, we can nitpick all we want and we can point to flaws all we want. But that's why you got to celebrate when Howard University makes it to the White House. Talk you got to him. celebrate that. And we can poke holes in all we want. And, of course, we can find the flaws and point to why this person is or isn't perfect. But certain things must be celebrated. Absolutely. You don't have to go to Harvard. Typically, the Ivy League sits in those chairs. Yeah. It's no, it's not a, there's no. HBCUs. I, I, I was going to say it's not a bunch, but there's none prior to now. HBCUs. In those positions So that, that that's something that needs to be celebrated Speaking of celebrating um, I want to take a moment To shout out someone who's very special to me um, If you're in Phoenix And you're hearing this uh, on Power 98.3 FM um, She's a, a young lady that I met there uh, Years ago And she has a black owned business um, This black owned business is called the black box and she actually sent me a black box uh, and it's full of creams and candles and soaps and and uh, just effects I'm, I'm not even sure what all this is because I don't really reckon myself a beautiful person although <laughs> she is um, and I implore you to check out uh, her social media um, I think it's the black box dot us or get or the black like box the black box and her name is Talay Hornbeck that's T-A-L-E-I and she's incredible as a human being by the way not just black yes um, but she is another one that really uh, is um, galvanizing uh, black businesses together and trying to offer that um, at least in her way and with the things that she's been able to do and so far she's been uh, incredibly successful which brings me to um you fresh what are some of the businesses that you've been working with that you can shout out that you can say these are black businesses are doing black things and these are ways that you can support if you're black or a black ally oh man uh many as you can think of you, you uh, the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh zero eight twenty candle Uh, And you can find that on Instagram just like that, 0820Candle. Um, 
they actually sent me a box. I didn't have to pay for it. They saw the work in the community and they sent me a box of candles and they smell delicious. Nice. Uh, they even have one called Pea Valley. Um, the whole word. Word. And I was like, okay, you, all right, okay. Then I know. You, all right, cool. Um, there's also, oh, Fulani Malik. Um, Fulani, uh, F-U-L-A-N-I, Malik, um, has some of the best handmade jewelry uh, that you've ever seen. And it's normally uh, copper infused with crystals. And uh, I've seen you wear that, yeah, I think. The, and Those the, are fly. <laughs> thank Those are you. real fly. <laughs> the gentleman pretty much... He makes jewelry on the spot, like whenever he's doing an expo, um, and he will employ you, implore you to read about the crystals that you're picking up or looking at sure. so you can learn more about them. Uh, Stardust and Sage is a holistic uh, healing space that just moved downtown, um, and they're going to have uh, yoga upstairs and crystals downstairs. Uh, Straw and Wool Hat Company, um, they are actually... Just some brothers that I'm, I'm extremely proud of because in the Phoenix area, they had an idea that there wasn't really a lot of hat stores that catered to that particular style, basically straw or wool hats. Um, you couldn't find them often. And so they opened up a space, a small suite, and within, I want to say, three weeks, they had to take over the suite next door because their business awesome. grew so much. Wow. Now, I want to say maybe no more than three months later. They're moving to an, an apartment slash uh, business suite downtown on Roosevelt Row. So, and that it costs money to be down there. Yes, indeed. But because they uh, saw something in the market, they exploited it, and they're doing the practice of buy black, sell to everybody, which is really Word. where you need to be. You need to be yeah. like uh, buying black is great. Um, but you also have to participate in the market with everybody else Absolutely. to be able to diversify, you we're, know, what's coming in. Base. So uh, they're doing a great job. So all of those, uh, Stardust and Sage, Straw and Wool, Fulani Malik, and 0820 Candle Company. Um, there's some some black businesses that I know that you want to shout out, uh, Q, uh, as well. But before I do that. Uh, I did cut you off, my bad. No, 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 don't. Because this is this is important. I can't even let you leave without bringing this up. And I want both of you to speak to you know why this is so. And like I said, I'm going to use a sports metaphor because you did that earlier, and it helps people understand and digest what we're saying a little bit better when you use something that's familiar to them. Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, mm -hmm. quarterback, Baltimore Ravens, mm -hmm. plays football a little different than the traditions would say. Mm -hmm. And because of this, people are hypercritical of him. So if he has a bad game, it's because the way he plays football is not the right way to do it. It won't last. It's a gimmick. It's, you know what I mean? They're prepared for him to fail. Whereas someone like, let's say, Tom Brady can have a bad month. And in their mind, it's just, he's just off. He's Eventually, he's going to get back to, to his level. He was just having a bad few weeks, but he's going to be okay. Okay. The hypercritical nature of us, of everyone to us, but us to us. And I'm bringing this up because you spoke about the way that we treat our family when we support their businesses. Give them that, that real feedback. Don't mm -hmm. just say, hey, this was great. Be specific. Mm -hmm. Let them know how you were served, what you loved, 
and where they can improve. Mm -hmm. Typically, and all of us have heard it, it only takes a bad experience for us to completely give up Mm -hmm. on our own businesses. Mm -hmm. Where we'll give Macy's and, and, you know, I can, it's a laundry list of companies that we support that we allow to disappoint us over and over again. Right. I'm not even going to say no names. So, (laughs) I was about to, though. Yeah, yeah, I almost wish you would have. <laughs> Why do you think, or maybe it's just my imagination, why do you think that level of hypercritical feedback exists with us where we're so ready to give up on and, 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 and shut down each other for the smallest of infractions where we'll continue to patronize and forgive and understand when it's not us? Uh, the convenience of somebody else already having an infrastructure to serve you easily um, allows for you to practice your inherent Anti-blackness. escapism. Anti-blackness. Yeah. So you, it's, it's essentially just escapism. Like, it, but like you could compare it to you know being like being in a relationship. Two black people in a relationship, they're gonna have certain struggles that everybody else won't have with them together and it's it's important for them to realize like you're not a white man you're not a white woman you're not a white business things are going to be different and it's okay for you to hold on to that and understand that and when it comes to people giving up on black business um like i said it's it's escapism but the responsibility is to understand that that business is lifeblood for your community. When you give up on them, you're essentially saying, you know, I could give a damn, you know, if you're still here or not. At least I got Macy's. Mm. So you're definitely practicing anti-blackness mm. when you give up. Thank you. On, you know, on just practicing, you know, circulating the bag. When you give up on it, it's like it doesn't. It's not that really much of a big deal you're in the trenches right now it's not normal for us to constantly intentionally buy support and review and rinse and repeat and say i'm going to do this as a lifestyle it's not normal until it's normal it's going to be hard so you have to keep practicing just like going to the gym every day until it's like breathing you have to keep doing it because this is a practice that you need to pass down if you give up on it now you're basically passing down the generational curse of anti-blackness in business there it is there it is thank you for saying that um and i I think it's important to know that you know everybody starts somewhere you know when them people hopped off of the mayflower and they tried to set up shop or whatever and selling beaver tails and whatever it was just as ghetto as you can imagine and after eons of you know figuring out what works versus what doesn't work you know you might have a little bit more polish to it and understanding that a lot of times a lot of communities especially black communities are kind of just starting these initiatives um it takes a little bit of time and some community support but basically we're all getting behind each other especially those champions in these various communities and we're trying to cause them to to do better um, you know, nobody's getting rich They're the, the, the goal is for them to ultimately get rich. But when you're first starting out, usually people are very, very much broke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not an excuse for poor quality or anything like that. But it is a teachable moment. And if you are inclined 
to love your fellow man if you're not black or to love your um you know people that share your that melanin that you have and, and share your culture with um then you know support is the name of the game um and uh if if it's still difficult for you to wrap your head around that then you really need to kind of really figure out where your morals are and where you stand um i do want to say this though because we're this show always goes by too quick i do want to shout out to uh other black businesses one is a clothing company it's called unlucky weirdos um and uh q you know a little bit more about that i want you to um shout out the uh, website and the social media for those guys yes uh unlucky-weirdos.com and unlucky weirdos on your social medias instagram uh more specifically it's where a lot of time and resources are spent uh another company that this pandemic has really taxed um but pretty confident they're going to have a, a nice bounce back here pretty soon um i want to shout out the shop by lefties a gentleman who went to arizona state university a member of kappa alpha psi fraternity uh Dwayne is a great brother always looking to help other brothers as well uh, and definitely uh, watching him thrive is something that makes me really really proud so definitely shout out to the shop um you guys both spoke about something before before we get out of here the importance of what we saw in atlanta that community where those big houses and those nice cars and those doctors and those lawyers and all those people look like us i want ramses to talk about his experience with the security officer that patrolled uh, that neighborhood because it was way different yeah yeah okay it should be way normal but well, it was way different well i'm accustomed to security guards rolling up on me and feeling very much out of place and having to justify my being there i was just taking a walk through the neighborhood just because i was enjoying it taking it all in i'd never seen that many trees security guard rolls up on me and he says hey how you doing today and you know normally they start off you know exchanging pleasantries because they're there to shake you down and i says uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing fine i'm just you know here taking a walk he's like it's a great day for it he'd never seen me before you know but the thing was he was black i was black and he didn't see me as a threat i thought that was very special i thought um, it was the coolest thing ever absolutely he was not there to ask him anything except how you doing mm-hmm. no, not at all and let me reassure you that i'm having a good day too man keep having it and it just bounced not where you're from not who you with not why you're here it's almost like a different universe oh my goodness man all right real quick before we get out of here uh i do want to shout out um mrs white's i want to shout out lolo's um there's Absolutely. tons of restaurants boom boom room of course monarch theater and bar smith all black owned businesses i do want to shout out major threads if you need clothing that is more athletic based and of course the change society um which is a nonprofit that we all work with uh is black owned as well um but that's going to do it for us today uh please hit the website civiccipher.com to submit your questions any show topics of course to donate um and follow all of our social media at civiccipher and until next week y'all take care of yourselves peace, peace.